Hi, and welcome to Conversations to Connect. I'm Fenella Hawksley, and on this podcast, we will be hosting conversations to share insights, research, and knowledge to inspire change and to help people feel more connected. is an artist and educator originally from Colombia and living in the UK for 20 years. She is passionate about restoring our relationship with beauty, challenging the imposed ideas of what is pretty and discovering beauty around and inside of us. She has been writing about beauty, aesthetics and ethics and is now finishing her first book on her experience of mental health and the healing powers of beauty. Hi Beatrice, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm delighted. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. We're currently recording this episode in Beatrice's studio, so surrounded by all her beautiful paintings (laughs) and artwork. So first of all, what connects you with the topic of loneliness? I think that everybody experiences loneliness in their life, even several times during the day. I think that uh, as an expat or as a migrant, uh, when you asked me the question first, I thought, yes, although I have a lot of friends and apparently or from outside, I am a very active person and social media, etc. There are many times which I have felt I'm not connected. I'm not being able to communicate. I feel disconnected, disengaged. And I think that that's my experience of loneliness in, in general. I'm going to give, give you an example. I'm when in these days, there is the, the death of a very famous painter in Colombia. And in Colombia, everybody's talking about that painter and that painter is very important for us. But here, when I said, oh, Fernando Botero has died and everybody's like, who's that? And I'm feeling like, oh, You know, I cannot communicate, I cannot engage, I cannot share that emotion. And I think that that's very much an experience of loneliness. I'm feeling maybe disconnected from cultural moments, I suppose, disconnected from home. Yes, but also the other type of loneliness I was thinking is when you are disconnected from yourself. Mm -hmm. I feel that. It's very fascinating, the topic of loneliness, because what is loneliness? Are we alone? Well, yes, we are alone. I mean, yeah. And yet we are part of a universe. We are part of a family. We we came from the womb of a woman, you know. So we are part of something bigger. And yet I think that many times we feel that we are not part. So this loneliness and not belonging or belonging and, and connecting with yourself it's another type of loneliness that I don't know if it that it it tends. I think that loneliness tends to be receive more attention of all people who live on their own or all people or or migrants who are disconnected. Well, not my case probably, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel that there is much more uh, variety and much more diversity of the experience of loneliness. Mm-hmm. When you said disconnected from yourself, sometimes reconnecting with yourself can be done in so many different ways but creativity is definitely one of those ways to sort of reconnect with yourself have you found that I think that 
I was thinking a lot about this today in, in, in preparation, let's say, for this conversation. But I think that when you are experiencing this disconnection from yourself, it's a strange process because you are too inside yourself. And for in order to leave that state, you have to go out and come back. And that happens also with creativity. You cannot be kind of so within yourself, looking at your belly bottom, as we say in Spanish. <laughs> you have to go out and to notice that there is a world around you. And I think that when you see, for example, oh, look at this beautiful flower or, oh, the color of the sky or, oh, something, a, a, a strange noise. Is, is that a bird? Is, what is this? When you come out of yourself and come back, then the, the, when when you reconnect with yourself. But in order to do that, you have to go out and come back. And with creativity, I don't know, I, there are so many definitions of, of creativity, but creativity is the possibility of seeing things differently, isn't it? And to be able to um, experiment and to play, there is the element of play, of curiosity, but those elements require you to live your kind of inside universe and and to look around. I think that that's something that we are not being taught to do that mm -hmm. because the culture that we live is very... We were talking about this at the beginning. It's, it's all about the humans. The humans are the most important part of the creation, no? What animals can do for us, no? Mm -hmm. And we were talking about it. But we that sort of too much attention of the human being stops us to be connected with the outside, with other human beings, and ultimately with ourselves, because we are part of that big environment, big community, big universe. So this links with your, you've started writing a book about beauty. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask you, what was it that made you realize the importance of beauty and take time for beauty in the everyday? Well, I think that we are surrounded by beauty, but we seldomly take time to do that. And beauty surprises us. And I feel that uh, although we live in environments that are beautiful when you are a baby, they put you lovely things, etc. And you, in general, enjoy so much beauty. There is a cultural rejection to beauty, like, oh, beauty is to be vain, or beauty is uh, these uh, beauty queens or these models. It's all, uh, it's very complicated, our relationship with beauty. But I think that the beauty is in everything, in every little thing that we do. And in my experience, I had an episode of mental crisis 10 years ago. <laughs> that was quite a while. And I was very much liking this. Those episodes of mental crisis come with a lot of shame. And um, Brene Brown talked a lot about shame. And this shame of not being able to communicate, not being able to cope, etc. And I, I think that when you step out of that, then you realize that the world is more beautiful. And what happened to me was like, I was like, I was feeling like, you know, properly bad, you know, you know. What, what was it that led you there? Well, it was an interesting thing. I lost sight of myself. I lost sight of, and I'm talking about a type of loneliness here. I, I lost sight of who I was 
And in order to come to the UK and try to cope with the new culture and try to cope with the, the expectations that others have over me and my self-imposed expectations, I started kind of searching for an idea of success. And, and I was a young academic. So I wanted to publish and, to do that, to do that. <laughs> and it was so much. And I lost sight of why I'm doing all of this. Yeah, it's not to get a salary or a promotion. There must be something else. And I lost that connection and inevitably I crashed because when you leave your self-esteem and everything else in the hands of others, obviously they are going, I mean, if you don't take charge of your own um, life, happiness, and what is the purpose of your life, it's very easy. If you give it to somebody else, society, the boss, the organization, your friends, your boyfriend, your couple, no. So you have fragile. to take charge. Exactly, exactly. So at that time, I, I, I fell into this episode of mental crisis, and it was very stressful. and very, I was very anxious. But then uh, it was the summer. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, slumping in the in a chair. No. For how long? <laughs> For a while. I would say <laughs> that I, I don't know, one, two weeks, and all like, you know, like feeling like horrible. And then suddenly... I saw it was the summer and then I it was like oh but that plant was not there and look that flourish oh my god the the seasons are changing and I, the moment that I step out of that sort of misery and also it's is when you are miserable it's a bit of self-indulgence sometimes <laughs> because you're like oh it's so bad eh? and then you don't see somewhere else so that that sort of surprise of, I was surprised by the beauty of the season and I was like oh my god it's so beautiful and the moment that I realized that it was like if a window has opened in a dark room and it was not I don't know, with beauty or with those epiphanies, you think like like an angel coming <laughs> with the light and, you know. <laughs> and no, it's just that little thing that it was like a glimpse of light. And I was like, oh, God, that is beauty. Yeah? And then I start to explore that that more, you know, and, and to allow myself to discover more little moments of beauty, you know, so... That bird that was happening or that flower or or the fact that the, this cup of tea is so lovely. Look at this, the design, how beautiful it is for me that I can hold it and it is warm. And I feel, oh, my God, it's so cozy. So I feel that that um, possibility of stepping out of yourself and seeing around and seeing beauty in those little things. For me, it was it was the, the way that I could cope. And, and I, I thought... Hmm, here is something interesting. <laughs> Do you think almost like when when we get so lost in our own problems, we become very insular and it's like noticing things outside. People say this with awe as well, like looking at the stars, you can feel your problems are insignificant compared to the sheer, yeah. I don't know, size of the universe. But then maybe with beauty, it's like other things are going on outside of our own own problems nature still happening spring yes. is springing i'm i'm thinking a bit in sociological terms about the individualistic society you know and the protestant uh, society that is very much the, the great change in 15th century was the fact to say there are catholics and there are protestants at least in the western world yeah. and the protestant mentality is that you are responsible for your life mm -hmm. and god will reward you 
in life, no? Mm -hmm. You don't need to have salvation after life, which is the promise mm -hmm. of the Catholicism. But when you have that responsibility of you are responsible, you can make your life, it's wonderful and liberating because that to escape that. But at the same time, put so much pressure on yourself mm -hmm. and make you feel the center of the universe. I think that the Middle Ages, people have it a bit more clear because they knew that their nature was bigger, that there were mysterious things. We tend to think about Middle, middle Age people like superstitious, but why not to be superstitious? The world is really big and we cannot explain it all. So I feel that in a way that too much on yourself and the fact that you have to define your life and the fact that you have the, yeah, you, you, you are responsible for that. It's too much. And also makes you too important, too much important, and you are not really more important than the tree or the dog or the bird or no. But with all this, as they, they call it, is the age of the Anthropocene, no? Which is the age in which the human beings are the center and we are not the center. And this is because we are causing all this tro trouble in the, in the world. So maybe in seeing those the beauty in nature you also are connecting to something greater than yourself it's like you're stepping outside of yourself and looking at the world around you and like oh it's actually really beautiful despite the dark place that I'm in right now there's still beauty outside yes I think that the, yeah I think that the moment that you look and take the time to look and give you yourself the opportunity to decenter the importance on yourself <laughs> then you start appreciating how much, how lucky you are, how lucky to be alive, and how lucky to to be surrounded by nature, by air, by water, by, we can see the sky, you know. Even in a city like London, there are always trees around, you know. There is always something to hold and say, this is beautiful, this is amazing. All around you even, you wake up in the morning and, and then, you are in a nice bed, no? So, wow, how nice is to be in a, in a nice bed? How nice is to being able to use your body to get up and to, I don't know, look at the sky or listen to the birds or having a friend or, you know, it's, it's, there are so much fortune around us. So it's also kind of making, being grateful and making the most of the small moments in life. Yeah, I think that the stepping out and, and redefining what is important, no? I feel that for me, that episode sort of made me realize, okay, what do I want? And if it is a promotion, if it is more money, what for? Mm -hmm. And also, you know that in a way it's great to have some sort of economic livelihood, etc. And everybody should have at least a universal income or that type of things, no? But... Uh, it cannot be the focus of your life because then you lose sight of, of, of everything else. The amount of beauty that is for free, <laughs> you know? And uh, I, I think that that's the other thing about beauty that culturally we are uh, wired to think that beauty is something that we buy, mm. that beauty is luxury and that luxury is consumption. And there are so many other things that are not consumption, that are not that type of luxury that you don't need to buy. And uh, to realize that is, is very empowering. And 
a bit subversive in a way, no? Because if you don't have any more to buy beauty, you have enough. So all the advertising <laughs> and the marketing and the capitalism collapse. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, yeah, thinking that you don't need to buy anything and that you already have what you need now that's <laughs> death to a lot of brands <laughs> yes exactly no, it, 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 it's quite dangerous <laughs> how long had you been living in the UK when this happened only a few years okay. that was that was part of it I feel that for many migrants no and uh, in general when you are we were talking about that reinventing yourself in another country with virtually nothing because your social network is gone you have to start from zero I also <laughs> when you do a PhD a doctorate you think <laughs> I always recommend people think about the PhD because you spend a lot of time your, your most productive years doing the PhD and when you leave you start from the uh, step number zero in the uh, in the academic career so it's very difficult and but so I have been like I don't know three I was here did my PhD I was planning to come back to Colombia but I fall in love with Aww. a native so I thought I'm going to give it a go because love is more difficult to find than a job no and <laughs> uh, so I said okay I'm going to give it very a go. true <laughs> it's true I mean, you can find jobs but love proper love no, that's 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 the bit that I was I wanted to to have, um, and well, thank goodness <laughs> we are still together. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I felt, oh, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to be this successful academic that publishes a lot and teaches fantastically and also I want to be the great wife and I want to create the great sister and the great daughter and and so many pressures. That you forget who you are and why you're doing that. And then you deplete yourself that you don't have anything to give any, any longer uh, because you are looking for these other things that you need to feed your soul and feed your... And, and those things do not fit that. Okay, yes, you get promoted, fine. Okay, now you have to work more. Oh, yes, you have more money. How much that money cost you in terms of time, in terms of, you know... Do you have time for having relationships? Uh, do you have time to do nothing? No, of course not. You know, so there are a lot of things. Yes, you have the house. Wonderful. Great. The mortgage. I mean, there is a lot of things that that everything has a cost. And the society is also telling us, especially women, that we can have it all. And men, too. All of us, we get into this. And we deserve it all. But... We have to make decisions and to be aware of those decisions. And so in that moment, I was like, okay, what is the guiding principle for me? And for me was, I'm going to say that if it is not beautiful, then I won't do it. Yeah, it can be a great project. It can be a lot of money for that. Is it beautiful? Is it working with something that it is going to contribute to kind of human beings or welfare or I don't know? So that that became my sort of guidance. What were you studying for your PhD? Management. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And did you do art while you were studying for your PhD? Well, had that, you always drawn and painted. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, we were talking about that in the uh, before. Is that a creativity? I've been always a very creative person. My mother is very creative. 
Uh, but in the school, I was very good at maths, no? And then uh, I love drawing and doing things, but my school was very discouraging. Like, oh, no, this is not art, you know? Oh, you do better in math, so go for that. And then I went to do something in, in, in maths. And uh, I was doing well and everything, but I had this secret life that I was drawing and I was doing things and I was taking courses of drawing and art. <laughs> so like a sort of sick, I was an artist in the closet, no? So like, no, no, you know, <laughs> I don't want that people know this uh, because uh, again, also, are you going to study art or you're going to uh, starve, no? There are so many preconceptions about art and creativity. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I kept it on my, on my <laughs> secretly, but precisely, I, I think that sometimes things come as a blessing in disguise. And when you have the opportunity to wonder and to assess and to think, this what is what I want, I decided I want a life in which art and creativity has an important place and it's not anything else that I do on Sundays it's not something else that I do secretly I'm going to own it and I came out of the closet as an artist (laughs) (laughs) was this at the same time as when you were having it like in this dark mental kind of what did you call it a mental crisis yeah was this at the same time or was this after it was thanks to art also that because okay. the other thing that I realized was I was not able to verbalize how I was feeling, mm-hmm. but I was making drawings, very silly drawings, very dark, you know, <laughs> a lot of black. Um, and I realized, wow, this is so important. And it is helping me a lot because it's helping me to understand, to process something that I could not do. Well, I took therapy, etc. because, well. You have all the tools to come out of those moment, those moments. But uh, art helped me a lot. And I said, oh, again, art, beauty, you know, creativity, all of that began to be like, oh, it's always has been there. Because we all are creative. All of us is a human trait, like being able to walk into when you look at children, they're so free to be creative and then we just get so blocked as adults. But I sometimes ask this question, it's like, what did you enjoy doing when you were 10 years old? Because I think we know ourselves sometimes better when we're 10 than when we're, I don't know, an adult because it's like, did you enjoy drawing? Did you enjoy being creative? Yeah, I think that um, I, I've always been a very curious person and I like beautiful things and I like making Beautiful things. So you see my house is full of paintings. And then you think, oh, my God, how many? Why you are having so many paintings in your own house? I wanted to have a lot of paintings, but not so many I could afford. So I said, I decided I'm going to make them myself. They're beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to put photos up of all the paintings because they are so beautiful. <laughs> what about you? How, what did you enjoy when you were 10 years old? Singing and dancing and acting and drawing and painting (laughs) just being creative yeah and what are you doing with that that now well now I've got back into it's funny you said about how you can if you can't verbalize how you're feeling but you can draw it I felt like that with music like I couldn't say it but I could write a song about how I was feeling and kind of release the emotion or what it is you're feeling through that so 
yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely like an, an outlet. No, I think I'm, I'm going back now to doing the things that I did when I was 10. <laughs> what it is motivating you to do that now? I mean, like if you have been going around and then now you're back, what, mm. what has been, what is the... the, the... Oh, now I'm being interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I had a bit of what you, I, I kind of guess I had a bit of a mental crisis last year. And then I think those dark moments can be really good at almost like a reset. If you can learn from it and come out of it, it's almost like it shows you what you need to change in your life. Like when it gets to a point where things can't continue, like you can't continue trying to, you know, be the perfect person externally. Meanwhile, you're actually sacrificing all your own needs. So it was kind of like, I can't continue like this. And then I'm going to start doing things that, actually nourish my soul and then and then little by little you start realizing that those are the things that you need to do just to keep you I don't know if like in balance or yes yes we were talking about that no the the purpose or, mm. or what is our superpower and, mm. and 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 how we can we live in harmony with that because I am completely convinced and it has happened to me that once you embrace who you really are mm. no not the expectations of others of who you are, even your own expectations about who you should be, mm. the moment that you embrace that, the moment that you re-encounter with yourself, mm -hmm. then everything starts happening. And um, I'm, I'm, this is about loneliness again. When you are trying to please others, you are alone because you are disconnected from that person. Because you are not feeding your own self. Because you are not encountering with yourself. I think that that's a very important type of loneliness that we are not understanding. True. You're not, and also, you're not authentically connected to yourself. But you're not authentically connected to others either. Because if that's not really who you are... I mean, it's sometimes with trying to live up to other people's expectations you can people please or do things that you don't really want to do which again creates an inauthentic connection so you will feel lonely because you're not you're not connected with yourself but you're not really connected with other people either because you're not being genuine yourself? Yeah. or yourself yeah and of course we have different personajes no yeah. we have different characters and and I think that this is the beauty of the multiplicity of what we can be as human beings but you need really to in a way The, your destiny is to find yourself, who you are, and that who you are changes. Mm -hmm. And also you have different sort of manifestations, but that dialogue with who you are, how I'm feeling, this is where when you stop that dialogue, this is where you're lonely. Because when you are with yourself, when you ask yourself, sometimes I have myself in third person, I'm like... Beatrice, <laughs> what would you think? Would you like to do this or would you like to do that? <laughs> And then Beatrice said, you know, Beatrice, I think that it will be better to do this. <laughs> you know? I love that. <laughs> But it's, it, it, that is, this is where I'm not lonely because I'm with myself. So how was that journey for you? How did you, if for someone listening who maybe does feel disconnected from themselves, what were the steps that you took to go from feeling that burnt out and lost to flourishing in your beautiful creative space? Well, I think that the first thing is don't take yourself so seriously. Mm -hmm. 
in a way, no? Because when you are like that, you feel the shame. The shame makes you feel very important and very kind of everything is too serious. Uh, because when you go into it, shame is something so complicated. I, I love the, also Brené Brown talks a lot about shame. And I was like, because you think that shame is something that somebody makes you feel. No, you do a lot of self-shame, let's call it like that. I think that the first step is don't take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. Everything will pass, no? And and go out. Allow yourself not to feel like that for a moment, for a second, microsecond. Look outside. That moment when you can be outside and come back, you're like, I always think myself like in a film. Mm-hmm. Like um, sometimes there are some scenes that are so boring, like feeling like that <laughs> in the floor crying. Come on. Am I in a Mexican or Colombian? So, Bobera, no. Whereas I could be, you know, I don't know, this other scene, because I can't, I have the power to change it. So I feel that, the, but this, that moment in which takes a microsecond, a micro moment, but the moment that you switch it is, is magical. In terms of making time for beauty and observing beauty, what, I know that you're writing a book about this. <laughs> so I wonder if you could... What what's the book called? It's going to be called the the book is called. It's a series of books. In fact, it's called Beautiful Living, mm-hmm. or in Spanish, well, you know, Spanish Bonito, which is a word that we that is not like beautiful. It's not like this beautiful word. Mm-hmm. Bonito is more like cute, pretty, nice, cozy. You know, it's a bit more kind of fun. So Bonito and Living, and um, yeah, it's. Well, I've been thinking a lot about it because the first thing that occurred to me when I was in the process of uh, my well, my mental crisis, I think that all of us, we have experienced some sort of mental burnout, etc. One of the things that happened to me that was very important, a part of coming out of myself and seeing the flower, was to start looking after myself, basic things. For a while, I could not go out. I was very anxious. But I made the effort of having a shower and cleaning my, you know, <laughs> simple things and making the bed. I remember the the significance that took for me to make my bed. And it's something so simple. I mean, do you need money to make your bed? No. But it was like making the bed became like I deserve to come back to a nice, clean, fresh bed. So it was a lot about self-love. And I started working around the house, not like a cleaning fury, not <laughs> obsessive, no. It was like, I'm going to clear up this this little mess. I don't have more energy for more. But little by little, the, the house or my surroundings began to be the barometer, if you want, or the measurement of my controlling things, you know, my, my possibility of gaining control about things. And in the process of doing that, I realized, oh, not only it was mentally helpful, but look at this, a nicely made bed. How beautiful does it look? And so I, I the book has, uh, is divided, I think that there are three books, or it's divided in three parts. Uh, the first part is about the material things. Mm-hmm. So how you relate with your bed, with your bathroom, and with the garden, yeah? Mm-hmm. Kitchen is another thing, but... Uh, mm-hmm. 
the bed, you know, making your bed. Also, there is this saying of you make your bed, now lie on it. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, uh, well, then make a nice bed. Mm -hmm. And those moments in which you just are concentrated on that, appreciating the texture of the, the sheets or the moment or the, 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 the possibility of making your bed, that began to create a space and disposition to see beauty. And um, so the book is very much about analyzing or not analyzing, but sort of reflecting about where you can find beauty in the material things, in your home, in your surroundings. Uh, but also how can you, by looking after yourself, you are also making yourself a work of beauty, you know. And I'm not saying like, I don't know, plastic sorry, all these things. No, <laughs> it's like more like... So, uh, basically even the clothes that you wear or even the cosmetics no the cosmetics cosmos no cosmetics mm. and cosmosis when you start looking <laughs> you're like oh my god it's so lovely and uh, the third part is about creativity about how can you make beauty you know like as you said uh, how do i feel how do i feed that talent that i have that is unique your talent for making songs or my talent for making drawings no And and you need to feed that. That's the other thing that you realize when you have a mental breakdown. I have abandoned the proper food that I need, no? mm. the mental and spiritual food you really need. And with creativity, which is the best about creativity, is that creativity is like a sort of tap. You open it, and the more you open it, more come. No? So it's not like, oh, I'm going to write just a few songs because I don't want to spend it all. No, right? 500, because the more you write, the better you become. It's no? true, write at least a song a day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and who cares if it is beautiful or not, or if it is perfect or not. It doesn't matter as long as you are feeling it, you know. And from all those 500 songs, one will be wow. Yeah, apparently Michael Jackson wrote like 800 and then cuts that down for an album to 10. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, no, you, and it's, it's to keep... Because while you are writing, while you are thinking, while you are drawing, you are feeding that part of you. And that, that is that is very important too. So yeah, in the book, in that part of the creativity, I give some tips of my own experience. So for example, there are three tips. Number one, they are not originally mine. I have been reading everywhere. Mm -hmm. Number one, be aware of perfection. Mm -hmm. Perfection is the enemy. No, don't do it perfect. In fact, I said even to my students, do it ugly. <laughs> It's so liberating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so perfection is the enemy. Number two, play. Play. Play, play, play. Number three, procrastinate. Creative procrastination. What's creative procrastination? Yeah, I, say, a... I call it in Spanish, perreo creativo. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> you know the perreo, no? that's that funny dancing. I think that, that that funny dancing is very sensual and it's very kind of... It's because you are... Because creativity cannot be productivity. Okay. Yeah. And you have to be, yes, it's good to have habits. Mm -hmm. And I, I am very serious with my habits of writing or drawing. I draw every day. But I am not drawing for ticking the box of how many drawings or how many words I write a day. No. It's for fun. Yeah. So sometimes for being procrastinate here, for example, what we were doing today. 
we came, we had first food, then we have water, then we have tea, then we light a candle, then we make a breathing exercise, then we put all the materials, and then we started. We could have said, no, no, executive, let's put everything, yeah, the microphone, <laughs> let's do it, we have one hour. <laughs> no, we gave it time to get into that, so this is a bit of creative procrastination if you want. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's making the time for it, but not having to rush. Exactly. It's productivity. I mean, it's like, I am very much, well, I studied management and I'm quite, I am aware of the great tools of management for, for life, you know, but we cannot manage, managerialize our life, you know. Everything else is so about productivity, results, outcomes, KPIs. Oh, my God. Please. That at least creativity is your playground and not something that you are going to be evaluated against the KPIs and the performance indicators. No. It's true. It's even when you listen to artists and musicians talk about once they've had a successful album, they've really enjoyed the process of being unknown. But the pressure, once you have to reach certain, I don't know, KPIs, <laughs> yes. views, listens. Likes. Yeah, then that it makes the creative process so much more difficult because that's not what it, that's not ha the best breeding ground for creating the best creative work or the pressure from external, all the external pressure. What is your creative habits or what is are your creative <laughs> tips now that you um, write your songs? I have been taking a pause, but what I do think is good is writing first thing in the morning, every morning, just writing anything, three pages Free from flow. the artist's yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> because then it just means that you're more, almost like your brain is free to then, I don't know, write more. It, it, yeah. And it takes away the fear of writing. I have weird things like when I'm cycling, I just think of songs because maybe because my mind is free. So then I just stop and sing voice notes <laughs> on my phone. That's great. <laughs> my creative habits. I don't know. I practice singing every day and I just, to relax, I'll just like play around on the piano, the guitar. But yeah, I think mostly it's just writing first thing in the morning. Yes. And to allow yourself to be playing, you know, yeah. just, just not to take it so seriously yeah. again, you know. Because if you take it so seriously, it's it's such a big block, you know, like, oh, my God, now I have to produce the other song, the second album, <laughs> the dready second album or the second book, you know. <laughs> True. No. I wanted to go back to your point about making the bed and taking time for finding beauty in just daily acts, because it's almost like an act of self-love, isn't it? To make your own bed, to shower, to make yourself feel beautiful, however that is for yourself putting on I found putting on colorful clothes mm -hmm. like I when I'm not that happy I'll wear and I know some people love to wear black so I'm not saying that wearing black means yeah, that yeah. <laughs> like black is also a very stylish color yeah. but I like wearing a lot of color but when I'm not not that happy I noticed that my wardrobe was just black baggy clothes yes and I, I was didn't even notice but wearing things that just make me already feel like I'm I don't know. And it changes your, your mood, a mm. good color, you know. I, 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 for many years, I rejected pink because mm -hmm. I pink is too curly and I'm a feminist. <laughs> no! <laughs> I cannot be There pink. is a lot of pink in this studio. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I cannot be seen in pink. <laughs> and I think, and I, I have found pink a color that is very tender and very sweet. And yes, I think that you're right. It's little acts of self-love. And the fact, as I said, when I was in this moment so dark, those little taking care of myself was kind of, the image is myself as a big person cuddling myself as a small person, you know. So you need that tenderness a lot with yourself. And we don't allow tenderness in our lives. It's kitsch, it's uh, don't cuddle me, it's not manly enough or it's not feminine enough. And tenderness with yourself is so important. And when you do all these things, little acts of tenderness, <laughs> as they say, no, a, a random acts of kindness, well, do random acts of, of, of tenderness and and in the book, what I try also to do is the bed. Okay, then you think the bed, no? Some, something so simple. And then I go back and study the, the story of the bed, and then I try to use art as a mirror. So I said, where it has been represented the bed before? Afrida Kahlo, her bed where she had to stay, or Susan Baladon in the, at the beginning of the century when she's showing a bed that it is not a voyeuristic space for the male gaze, but more a, a kind of women intimate space or Tracy M in bed bed, you know Mm. you know so there are a lot of things about the bed that when you see it in the mirror of art then you are like surprised so the beautiful thing about art is that art takes something that it is very domestic and very kind of silly like a bed and then we have Turner Price or we have uh, I don't know well, people would say, well, this is, you know, aesthetics of the... Well, but what is interesting is how art takes those quotidian domestic things and, and, and elevate it. And my invitation is we can make those moments. We can elevate our own domesticity and our own simple life to the status of beauty. So that is the invitation. Definitely. Life is a canvas for us to paint on and same with like what when your home or your your own space do you want to have a messy bed and a messy room and then it can make you have maybe a cluttered mind mm. whereas if you just take the time being kind to yourself and then that reinforces feeling good about yourself yes and the fact that you deserve to be in a nice bed and it doesn't have to be expensive again mm. it can be clean mm-hmm. you know it can be decluttered you know, it's that it's very complicated. I understand that all problems of self-esteem are complicated, but I think that the solutions are even closer than we think. Doing nice things for ourselves makes us feel like we're worthy of nice things, mm. which in turn boosts our self-esteem. And also bring more things. So, yeah. Well, I wanted to, to finish the story of the creativity. So I was like a, an artist in the closet, but then I start integrating art into my academic work as an educator. Mm-hmm. So I... I was teaching a module on sustainable management, environmental management. So you were teaching management? Yeah. Okay. And, but I was teaching a lot about environmental issues and ethics. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. environmental management. So I said, well, we are going to do, instead of being an assignment of do the analysis of the company, of uh, no, we are going to try that you change your environment and you reduce your carbon footprint. And then, in order to diagnose, I had the students doing drawings. Of course, some students were like, no, I didn't pay a thousand pounds for doing this. But others came 
and did it because drawing makes you look better and it makes you a better diagnosis than just not looking. And so I started using a lot of art-based methodologies in my in my in my work, and with the time, those things that before I was not ashamed but keep it as a private thing, has become mainstream for me. And now my I don't know all my career has flourished because I'm a creative, not because I did management or whatever. My promotion was about creative education. So a lot of things that. In a way, when you think, oh, no, I should not be doing this because it's very silly and it won't it won't be a good career move. Do it because it's your original thing. And for young people and for everybody, you have to find that talent that is you. And that will that will reward you sooner or later. But it will. I promise. (laughs) That's so interesting because it's almost like your core talents you kind of hide because you think oh that's not what people want to see but actually that's what makes you special and different and that's what actually well you said led to a promotion yeah yeah that that is the thing that led you to Mm -hmm. and to and to your happiness no especially that the promotion great (laughs) it was a bit too little too late but (laughs) i don't care i i was promoted by myself (laughs) And did you notice that by make, adding art into your classes and bringing those things to light, you then felt more at peace? Of course, and not only that, I felt more, more entertained. I was having more fun, you know, because I feel that sometimes when you do something, especially in education, you are thinking about there is a lot of constraints, especially in the English higher education environment. You always talk about the student satisfaction. What about the teacher satisfaction? No, because if you are not enjoying, how can you make other people enjoy? There is a great uh, theorist and thinker about education that it is called Bell Hooks, and she talks about the erotic and the pleasure in the classroom. No, mm-hmm. she talks about that sort of what you do in the classroom at the end is not to teach an information; it's a feeling. It's a the curiosity, the possibility of changing things. And, and I think that that's, that's very powerful. Part one is about making beauty in your day-to-day life and time for yourself. Part two of the book? Part two is more about self-care. Okay. Yeah. So again, the relationship with the clothes. Mm. So I talk a lot about clothes because clothes are nice. Uh-huh. But what is our relationship with those clothes? What those clothes are telling about yourself? You know, clothes are such a strong signifier. What's huh? your relationship with your clothes? Well, um, well, look at me. I am dressed in pink. Uh, you know, what, what do you see when you see me? How creative, beautiful, fun. I love your earrings. Yeah. <laughs> I love your rings. Touch, touch the the thing, like. Oh, and it's comfy. Yeah, and nice material. Yeah, yeah. So I am telling something who I yeah. am. So you can say, well, this is a kind of natural, kind of creative, lovely person, you know, because she's in and she, the adornments, no? Yeah. <laughs> the ornaments, you know, the accessories are like ornaments, like armaments. I sometimes I think, and for women, we have that. That, that that possibility of using more the accessories as a way of presenting ourselves. Mm-hmm. Men are starting to use accessories more. But what I'm saying with clothes is that 
Use your clothes wisely. They are not just to cover yourself and, and think what are you wearing and what are you saying with them and, and be aware of the materials. Also think about fast fashion. And so I think I, I, I try to, to talk about that. Cosmetics too and simple routines of self-care, the 15 minutes a day, the morning pages, you know. like 15 minutes, is that for writing? For or? anything, you know, for I call it 15 minutes or me times because let's say we have 24 hours in the day, which is a certain amount of minutes, which is around 14,000 minutes, something like that. 1% is 15 minutes. Wow. Yeah, so of those 24 hours. So I'm thinking, don't you deserve 15 minutes for you, for doing nothing, to have your cup of tea and not scrolling, just mm-hmm. being with yourself? Because again, how can you, I mean, you feel lonely because you are not connecting with yourself. And the little time that you have, you spend it in social media. It's true. Sometimes I, you can think you have a whole evening free and then you just spend the entire time responding to messages on your phone and then you haven't had any time for yourself. No, <laughs> you need, because the inner voice doesn't shout. It whispers. So you have to create time for that. So this 15 minutes time is creating time for being with yourself so i do a little it says the book is a mixture of philosophy with self-help i love that oh my gosh i'm so excited to read it so yeah so it's like because i want to kind of yeah talk about because i'm an academic so i like to talk about where things come from who has talked about it so i talk about niche niche for example talks a lot about the style he says that he was a very ugly man but he tried to present himself in a different way because beauty was not his uh, prize. So he had to be stylish. No? So he talks about that. So when you realize how many philosophers and that you think that is something so talk about beauty and about that type of thing, this, it's interesting. So I want to bring that stream of knowledge and possibilities of reflection into, to- in, into a topic that might look funny, you know, style. How niche... Frederick Nietzsche, you know, the origin of the tragedy, you know, the Uberman, etc., is talking about the style. So it's very interesting. So I tried to to do that in that second book about talking about clothes, the style, time, no? So that's that's the second book, yeah. Even sometimes just like... I found working from home, just if you're just in your pajamas, not washed hair, like putting on a bit of perfume, washing your hair yeah. and making yourself feel beautiful can just boost your self-esteem as well. And also signal to your body that you are in a, in a new character, no? Now you are not the one who is in pyjama because that's a <laughs> bit of a slobby, which is nice to be a slob, but it's the person who is in a professional relationship and it's nice to look professional. I, I mean, I wake up, I do everything, I make up and everything to be online, no? Because I feel I want to signal that I am, even I'm online, I am a professional. And, and for me, it's not even, the other might not be able to see that I made an effort, but I feel I'm making an effort because I respect you professionally and I respect myself and I want to do this properly and not just you know like the man who was only with a <laughs> with, with oh, a shirt and, and a boxer <laughs> exactly my granddad is a hundred <laughs> and he is showered dressed always so smart and ready by 9 a.m every morning meanwhile I, when I'm staying with him I'm 
still in my pyjamas at 11.30 a.m. <laughs> but, but he's, he's amazing. Yeah. Well, no, what he's signaling is that he also is, is an act of self-esteem. Yeah. I deserve to cover myself in nice clothes and look smart. I used to have a neighbor who was, yeah, also 91. Impeccable. He was a bus driver, by the way. Impeccable. Suit, tie, you know, the press tie. Impeccable. I remember he sometimes uh, we were something we asked or something and he was ironing his shirt. I said, this is self-esteem. Mm-hmm. This is self-love. Obviously, the man was not alone. Very soon after, you know, his, his wife died. You know, one year, two years later, he was with another girlfriend, you know. He was a handsome man. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so the second part is self-care and the third part is art and creativity yes and making time for our own creativity yes one of the things that is a narrative or a fairy tale that goes through the whole three books is the story of Basilisa and Baba Yaga it has been told in different ways it's come from the Russian and Slavic countries folklore but the story and we were talking about it is coming from the book uh, Women Who Run With The Wolves And what Clarissa Pincola says in this book is the fact that this story is talking very much about women and how we need to keep feeding our power, no? And how these activities, for example, tidying the house, are tidying out our psychic house. And how feeding our wild, eccentric folks is part of feeding our creativity. Mm -hmm. So it's a metaphor. And when you go and, and, and apply it in your life, then you realize the value of it and the practicality so because did she always have to feed the doll didn't she was that part of the story <laughs> yeah the, that is the idea to feed your animal side your wild side and, and I think that creativity is part of you need to feed your creativity whatever it is if it is knitting knit if it is sewing sew if it is cooking cook okay, yeah. if it is singing sing you cannot stop doing that what advice do you have for someone who doesn't know what their creative releases. But is the question is what do you enjoy more doing? And people always say, Oh, I like to sew, I like to knit, I like to read, I like to write poems, I like I like gardening. I mean everybody has that awareness. So I would say go for it. Go for it and do more of that. In terms of making time and space for beauty I mean you said that 15 minutes that's one percent of our day there is time we just don't always prioritize ourselves yes I think that you prioritize everybody else and the work and your friends and the husband and the children and the parents and and when do you I, I don't know it's like when they say you know if you don't have to give how can you give to others you really need to be selfish in a way and say what do I need and how I do? can I care after myself and how can I feed my soul mm-hmm. and feed it? Is your right? You, otherwise, you won't be able to help anybody. Like in the planes, no? When, they, mm. when there is Put an emergency. Oxygen mask. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they don't say, help everybody. They help yourself now. True. <laughs> Very true. I, always, I like that metaphor. <laughs> I feel that in general with beauty... Uh, around this conversation, the topic that has come more is to make a space. Mm. I feel that our society and our 
cultural aspects and the technologies squeeze every single moment of time. You have to be productive. And if you are not being productive, then you have to be consuming. And social media is consuming. So it's like, it's subversive to make mm -hmm. time to yourself. It's subversive not to go to bed with the tele with the telephone because the algorithm is created to <gasps> give you more. <laughs> But if you have little ways of escaping that, you make that time. The 15 minutes for you, wake up earlier, go be back to bed later, not with the telephone, on your own. It's making time. And again, looking, I'm coming back to the topic is, making time to look outside mm -hmm. and come back to yourself. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so we usually end this podcast on two questions. The first question is, when did you last feel lonely? And the final question is, what advice would you give to someone to help them feel more connected? I think that last time that I felt lonely was, I'm all the time feeling lonely. It's not a sort of, How to say this? I feel loved and I feel very lucky to have everything. But you have moments of loneliness and, and it's this disconnection. I think that probably the last time that I felt lonely was recently a friend of mine had an accident. Uh, uh, there was a fire in his building and I felt that I wanted to go and give him a hug. And I, it made me feel lonely not to be able to do that. Yeah. Was he in Colombia? Yeah. So I think that those disconnections make me feel lonely. Uh, of course, then you do something else and then you talk. and uh, But it's different, no? It's, you would like to go and... Language is not everything for communication. Mm -hmm. um, so I've, I, I, I felt lonely in that way. And what do I say to people who feel lonely? What advice would you give to help someone feel more connected? Make friends with yourself. You are your best friend. The person that knows you better. The person that you can trust completely. The person that knows all your secrets is yourself. Make pace with yourself. Make friends with yourself. Ask, Beatrice, how are you feeling today? I think that that's from that self-knowledge then you can relate with something else i love that that's beautiful <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you so much Beatrice. i've loved our conversation oh thank you Penela. <laughs> it has been a pleasure it's been really you know vulnerable for all of us and there is beauty in vulnerability and i think that accepting that that we are lonely and that we can feel lonely and vulnerable and embrace that is is part and, and to know who we are thank you Thank you.